Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Take my phone out of my pocket. I'm going to turn the ringer off. I'm going to put it in the pulpit so that nobody be texting me during church today. I won't get any notifications, and I can focus my full attention upon what the Word of the Lord has to say to me today. Amen. How many of you are going to follow my lead? Can I see your hands? I know some of you are saying, I don't even have a phone. Well... <laughs> You, you're, you're a rare one, that's for sure. <clears throat> well, I hope that you had a good week this week, a good Thanksgiving. How many of you had turkey? Can I see your hands? How many of you had ham? Can I see your hands? How many of you had yams, sweet potatoes with marshmallows on top? How many of you had dressing Can I with gravy, giblet gravy all over it? How about pecan pie? Can I get a vote? Stephanie's had her hand up and she's just leaving it up. So apparently she made the rounds and ate just about everything you can imagine. Oh, God was good to us this, this week. And we were able to be with family and, and just spend some time together and enjoy our, our blessings, our many blessings that God has bestowed upon us. And uh, I'm truly thankful to be part of a church that I know that you have great families and love one another and are and able to be together, and what a blessing that it is. I have been looking forward to being with you today. I believe the Lord is on the verge of pouring out blessings upon us that are uncontainable and even unknowable at this point, but they're coming. They're on the way. Amen? Our mind can't conceive it yet, but it's on the way. God has been so good to us all week long. You know, I was just prepping myself for Thanksgiving. I started just trying to think about through the years all the many, many ways and times that God has blessed me. And I have to tell you, it has been so grandiose in my life that it's hard to even picture and remember everything that God has done for me. But I am thankful for His many, many blessings and I, I'll tell you, I don't think he's finished yet. I believe that he is getting ready to pour out on us things that we can't even imagine at this point. And I'm preparing my heart for it and planning for the future and all that God has in store for me. How about you? Are you ready to be blessed big? Amen. I am. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, we are um, closing up our thoughts from the last two or three weeks. I'd planned three uh, uh, sermons that I wanted to talk about our mindset and the harvest and all that God is doing. The first week we talked about how very important it is to be positive and proactive, that our mindset needs to be what it can be and all that it can be to, to understand what God is trying to do in our lives. That We're not called to be negative people, you know that, right? God hasn't called us to be down and out and discouraged and frustrated. No, He's called us to be positive and faith-filled. And He has many things in store for us. But before we can receive them, we've got to prepare our mind for that. And last week, we were talking about what it means to actually live and walk in the harvest. You know, when the harvest comes, we need to enjoy it, right? We need to celebrate that. I was thinking this week, in June of 2010, a group of people got together in Louisville, Kentucky to talk with the administrative bishop and see whether or not you wanted to have a church here in this location. And you voted to do that. Didn't have a pastor yet, didn't know who it might be. 
But just a few days later, I got a phone call from that administrative bishop, and he asked us to come. And we've been laboring together with you for the last four, almost 14 years, and God has blessed us so abundantly. I think back through the years and think about all that God has done for us to bring us to this place. Now, I don't believe that God is satisfied with where we are. He's pleased with where we are. He has brought us to where we are. But how many of you know he has so much more in store for our church and for your life and your family? Amen. And so I'm just so excited about what it means to actually walk and live in the harvest that has already come. But knowing that there is more, <clears throat> then we have to learn to plan for the future harvest. In your family, in your life, you're looking to the future. You're looking to see what God has for you. Many of you are on the precipice of change in your life. Some of you are reaching the age where uh, maybe you've recently retired or you've been retired and you're thinking to yourself, what does my retirement years look like? What, what am I going to do? How am I going to be productive in this season of my life. Some of you are in that middle age range where you're thinking, you know, well, I've had my kids and, and maybe the next thing is going to be grandchildren or, or a second career or whatever it is. But God, how do I plan for that? How do I get my head and my mind wrapped around what you're going to do in my life? For some of you, you're young and maybe single and you're thinking about what your future looks like in terms of a spouse or a mate. And you're thinking in terms of how's that going to work and how is God going to bring you to the place where you will be able to meet the person that God has for you. There are so many things that we could mention and that we could talk about today. But here's the reality. Our future, in order for there to be harvest in our future, we have to plan for it and prepare for it so that God can bring it to fruition in our lives. So today, for just a few moments, I want to talk to you about planning for an abundant harvest. Pray with me, if you will. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we've had today to come to you and sing our songs of praise and worship. What an honor it is to come together and, Lord, just join with other men and women of faith and lift our voices and, and play the instruments and, and, and just let our worship flow to the throne room of God. And I pray that it has pleased you today, Lord, that it's come from holy hearts that really genuinely desire to, to lift your name and to exalt your name. So thank you for that opportunity. But Lord, just as important is, is this time now when we, when we come to you and we ask you to fill our hearts and our minds with the word of God. Because really when the songs stop, and when the singing is over and when the worship has been concluded, the Word of God is what strengthens us and empowers us and allows us to move forward in our future. So Lord, I ask you today to use me, your servant, to be able to speak and preach in such a way that your Word will land softly where it needs to be and hard and and firm in other areas of our lives so that we'll stir our soul to allow our spirit to have free reign in our lives and to become all that you desire for us to be. Lord, I praise you because I know 
that that's exactly what will happen today because you said in your word that you will never send your word forth and allow it to return void to you. But it will always, in every situation, bring about the harvest that you desire it to bring. So, Lord, we're excited about it. We receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you are more than you are today. Plan for it. Amen. You know, oftentimes on Saturdays, I will put a little Facebook uh, notice up that says, Sunday church attendance is the result of a Saturday night decision. How many of you have ever seen something like that on the internet? Uh, I do that fairly regularly because the reality is, is that we have to plan to come to church. We have to plan to be spiritual. We have to plan uh, to eat the Word of God. We must plan to worship. We must plan to be the people of God that He has called us to be. And so we have to learn a few things about what it means to plan for an abundant harvest. So stay with me today, and we're going to talk about this, and we're going to reflect on some scriptures and help them, ask them to understand the principles of planning so that it can help us to achieve not only the bountiful physical harvest that will come to our lives, but the spiritual maturity that will result when we make plans to be holy men and women of God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4. It will be on the screens, but if you've got your device and you need to look briefly at your device so that you can see the Word, then do that. But Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Now, this is written by King Solomon, and here's what he is warning against. He is, a, he is reminding us that hesitation and fear will hinder our potential for the abundant harvest. In other words, if we look at the wind and we look at the weather and regard the rain clouds or the possibility of a snowstorm that is on the way, it can cause us to become hesitant or fearful and to decide that in order to avoid the wind and avoid the rain and avoid the snow, then we're just going to stand back and put everything on pause in our life until the weather changes. Now, how many of you like to watch the weather reports on TV? Anybody here? I, I do, and, and my wife, she makes fun of me because I like to watch the weather. I, I know you can get it on the app and all that kind of stuff, but I just, I kind of like to watch it. All I have to tell you that Mark Weinberg is just, he shoots over the top of my head. I mean, he, he explains why the weather is, and I don't really give a rip about that. You know, I don't care why. I just want to know what. I want to know, is it going to rain? Is it going to snow? Is it going to be windy? Is it going to be sunshiny? Is it going to be, you know, whatever. And the reason for that is because by knowing what the weather is, I can plan for my day. 
it helps me to respond to what the weather is going to be. For instance, I can ask myself these questions. Do I need a sweater today? How many of you ever ask yourself that question? Do I need a sweater today? How about an umbrella today? Do I need an umbrella Can I wear my shorts this morning or this afternoon? I like to wear my shorts. How many of you like to wear your shorts? I'm glad you do. I do too. Do I need my coat? Do I need a hat? Can I wear a trucker hat that has airflow in the back? Or do I need to have a beanie on my head because it's going to get cold outside? I I need to ask myself all these questions. Do I need this? Now, here's the reason. Watching the weather forecast, listen to this now, is an intentional gathering of information that will enable me to best respond to the elements that I may face on this day. And likewise, if we make physical preparations by gathering information that will help us know how to dress and to prepare ourselves physically for the weather, then I would suggest to you today that it is also a good idea for us to ask these kinds of spiritual questions about our lives. How many of you have been serving the Lord for several years? Can I see your hands? How many of you are new converts? You just recently started serving the Lord. So here's the problem. Many of us that have been serving the Lord, we just go on autopilot. How many of you know what I'm... I mean, every day it's just like we do the same thing day after day after day. We may have a little 30-second devotion or a prayer over our breakfast and thank you for the day, and we just kind of gotten into that habit of just kind of doing what we do and and just moving on with life. But you know, if we're going to go to another level, if we're going to experience a different harvest in our lives, we're going to have to learn how to invest seed in areas of our lives that will bring about the harvest. Kalen, don't worry about that baby. I love having screaming babies in the house of God. How many of you would agree with that? Amen. It means the house of God is growing and good things are happening. Amen. So we don't worry about that. We're glad. In fact, if you want to, just bring about 25 babies next week and pinch them and let them scream all during church. It'd be perfectly fine with me. Amen. So I'm talking about the harvest. I'm talking about being dissatisfied with where we've been but looking forward to where we're going in Christ. Now, you can go to the Word of God, and you can find multiple examples of people who planned for the future. You know, we Pentecostals sometimes think, well, we got to live in the Spirit, which means that we have to be spontaneous. Well, listen, sometimes being spontaneous can be good. Spontaneity can break certain habits that need to be broken. But as a general rule, living spontaneously does not prepare us for a future harvest. Planning does. And so we've got to get our heads wrapped around it. For instance, Noah's preparation for the flood is a wonderful example of someone who acted in faith and participated in what God was planning to do. God had not done it yet. He had not brought the future yet, but he told Noah what he was going to do and gave Noah the opportunity to participate in what God was about to do. You can go to Joseph. 
And you can see that as difficult as his life was, Joseph's refusal to be driven by resentment because of what had been done to him allowed him to cooperate with God's plan so that he could use him in providing for his people when the time came. How many of you know that you've got to get rid of resentment and you've got to get rid of anger and you've got to get rid of those things that one time hurt you? You can live with it and carry it all your life. Or you can be like Joseph and say, I don't understand why it happened. I didn't particularly appreciate why it happened, but God, you have me in this place for a purpose and for a reason, and so therefore, I'm going to release my resentment so that a new harvest can come into my life. And we've got to learn to do that. Then there's the parable of the sower in the New Testament where he had to learn how to put the right seed in the right place in order for it to spring about a new harvest. So what I'm telling you today is, is that we've got a plan for the future. We have to plan not only for our physical future, but we need to plan for our spiritual future as well. So I want to offer three suggestions to you today. And the first one is this. <clears throat> The journey toward an abundant harvest begins with the ability to recognize and seize opportunities. Have you ever heard the old saying that when, when God shuts the door, go find a window? Have you, have you ever heard that before? That's always kind of troubled me some because we get so impatient with God that when He closes the door, we immediately start looking for something else. Well, it's true that we need to wait on the Lord and let Him bring about all that needs to be brought about to advance us. But we also, at times, need to be ready and prepared, setting on go, so that when the opportunity presents itself, that we can snatch it and we can release it in our lives. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Now, this scripture is very clear, that if you want an abundant harvest in your life, then you must be diligently planning for that harvest. So let me just drop a seed of thought into your mind today. What needs to happen in your life next year? What needs to happen in your life today? What needs to happen to bring about change in your life, in your physical life, in your spiritual life? You need to be able to identify it so that you can then plan for that to come into our life. Now I want to show you a movie clip this morning. Uh, you've seen this before. It's one of my uh, favorite movies and one of my favorite all-times clips. comes from the movie Dead, uh, Dead Poets, I think is the name of it, or something like that. Robin Williams stares, uh, st stars in this uh, movie, and this is a little short clip. I want you to play that for us, if you will. Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. the virgins to make much of time? Yes. <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, 
The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That's seize the day. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. And I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? <clears throat> Carpe diem means seize the day. <clears throat> what opportunities do, do you have before you in your life right now? What are the things that you can have if you will just take hold of them? What are the blessings that God has already opened the door to if you will just be willing to walk through and take hold of it? See, that's what I'm talking to you about today, planning for the future. I know that if I were to ask you today, how many of you really want to be blessed? How many of you really want to see wonderful things in your household and in your family? How many of you want to be able to advance in your job? How many of you want those kinds of blessings in your life? If I were to ask you that, every hand would go up. You'd have something identified that you want to pursue and want the blessings of God upon. And what I'm saying to you today is, is that you've got to be willing to seize what God has already promised can happen in your life. He has promised us great and mighty things. He has promised our church the ability to reach people and to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how could we just sit idly by and just expect things to roll on when God wants us to plan for the future? So the first thing that I want to suggest to you is, is that it's time for you to seize the opportunities that are before you. Secondly, planning goes beyond just setting goals. 
It involves developing a mindset of abundance. Now, we're good at setting goals. We've been taught our whole lives to set goals. But how many of you know that if you don't have the proper mindset, you can have all the goals that you want. You know what it's like. It won't be long. About another five weeks or so, we'll be moving into 2024. And you'll hear all kinds of motivational messages about the future. And, oh, there's more in 24 and all that kind of stuff. You'll, you'll hear it everywhere on the radio, in, on the TV, and from preachers' pulpits and things of that nature. You will hear it. You will hear those things. But I'm talking about more than just setting goals. Did you know that the majority of New Year's resolution, uh, resolutions are broken within a matter of hours after they've been made? Because we're not good at following after our goals. So it takes more than goals. What happens is, is we have to develop a mindset of abundance. Now, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, and I've read this through the years hundreds of times, no doubt. In my personal devotions, I have preached from it many, many times through the years. And so you're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. But it says this, Jesus says, The thief comes but to steal and to kill and destroy. But I came so that you might have life and have it abundantly. Now, we like to get excited about that because we Pentecostals feel like that that's a battle cry to victory. We can, we can tell the devil, I know what you're up to, and I know that through Jesus Christ, I'm going to overcome you and everything that you attempt to do to me. Here's the reality, and this week it really came to me strong as I was reading and studying for this. This is about a mentality shift. That's really what Jesus was trying to say. He was trying to, to give them a fact that would change their faith the way that they would believe. If I were to ask you today, all of you would say that you know why the devil is after you because he wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to prevent you from any kind of harvest and blessing that God has for you. We know that. And we focus on that so much that we just give him a place in our head to bring fear and frustration into our mind. And the least little thing that rears its head against us can produce fear and frustration in us. But Jesus never intended you to live in fear or in frustration. We know that. So he counters that fact. The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy you. But he counters that by saying, I have better news than that for you. And that is that I have come so that you can have life and you can have it more abundantly than any other way that you can receive it. So I want you to know today that we are required to change our mentality. And no hands going up. But how many of you would confess to being negative? No hands going up. How many of you would confess to being pessimistic primarily in your life? How many of you are glass half empty kind of people? You don't, you don't have to tell me after church and come up and say I'm all three of those things. You know, that's not the point. 
The point I'm trying to make is, is that we've got to identify what our tendencies are and say, if I'm a half glass kind of person, if I'm the empty kind of person, if I'm the negative individual, if I'm the pessimistic person, if that is my default setting, then I need to go into the settings of my soul and change the way that it is and become what God wants me to become. And that being someone who has a mindset of abundance. How many of you'd rather be a person of abundance? How many of you'd ever wake up and love to wake up every morning and just say, this is the day that the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This day brings forth great mercies for me. Every day that I live, His mercies are new every morning. How many of you know that it is entirely up to you to change your person and your thought process to becoming an individual of abundance? Because if you don't want to be blessed, you're not going to be blessed. So by aligning our thoughts and beliefs with God's abundance, we cultivate fertile ground for His blessings to flow into our lives. Sometimes our ground is not fertile because there are things there that need to be removed. How many of you know that's true? Sometimes we've got to do the hard work of removing those things that would limit our belief. So what we have to do then is that we have to proactively remove limiting beliefs. Let me ask you today, what kind of thought processes in your mind are limiting you from being able to receive the new harvest that God has planned for you? You see, we've got to embrace God's promises of abundance. Now, here's what happens. We say things like this. It's impossible. But the Word says, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. We say, I can't do that. But the Word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We say, I'm too tired. I'm exhausted. But the Word says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We say, I'm worried and I'm frustrated about this. But the Word says, cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. We say, I can't go on at all. But the Word says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We say, I can't figure this thing out. But God says in His Word, He loved His people. His holy ones were in His hand. So they followed in His steps, receiving direction from Him. We say, I'm not able to do that. But the Word says, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and am convinced that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him until that day. We say, it's not worth it. 
But the word says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is soon to be revealed to us. We say, I can't manage this thing. But the word says, my God shall supply every need that you have according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We say, I'm afraid. But the Word says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. We say, I simply don't have enough faith. But the Word says, for by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think of himself more highly than he ought, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to you we say i'm not smart enough but the word says if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives generously to all things without reproach and it shall be given him we say i feel all alone and the word says I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you get the picture this morning? I could continue to go on like this for a long time. But the reality is, is that we have got to change our mind about what we feel and what we see in our flesh and realize that though we may be in the flesh, we are not intended to be fleshly people. We are Spirit people, we are given by God every resource that we need to be abundant livers in this life right now. Somebody ought to say amen. Thirdly, effective planning for an abundant harvest also requires us to be good stewards of the resources God has entrusted us. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's that in your hand? See, that's the way we have to live our life. God is saying to us today, what's that in your hand? Because listen, what's in your hand, God has put it there. So that you can use it for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21 says, And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and so I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Here's one of the greatest limiting factors in our lives, I believe. Now, I was taught in preacher school that when you've got an opinion, you should warn people, this is my opinion. So I'm warning you, this is, this is my opinion. I think one of the greatest things that limits us from God taking us to a new level and experiencing a new harvest is because we've not yet learned how to be faithful with what He has already entrusted to us. Why would, give you, why would God give you anything new if you've proven that you can't be faithful what you, with what you have? You see, God has given each of us what we need, not only to have a good life, but He has given us seed that should be sown into the soil so that it can bring forth harvest. 
this morning I went into my office for just a few moments as I always do just to just kind of sharpen my soul and my spirit and spend some time in prayer for the service and go through my notes one more time and make sure that I know where I'm headed and know where I'm going. I rarely make any changes on Sunday morning, but I just kind of refresh it. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I hear on my door. And the door opens and there's Jovi. And coming behind Jovi was Annabelle. And coming behind Annabelle was Harper. And it was not long before in my spiritual moment, I had a room full of young ladies in there. Jovi often comes in and she will say to me things like this, when I become the pastor of this church, I'm going to redecorate this office. There will be much more pink in here than there is now. Listen, there's no pink in my office now. Because it ain't my thing, you know what I'm saying? But today, she was going around my office and she was showing Annabelle all the different things that I have in my office from various parts of the world. And she was saying, my, my pops went to Africa and he brought this back. And my pops went to Ecuador and he brought this back. And my pops went to Belgium and he, was, and he brought this back. And my pops went to the Navajo Indian Reservation and he brought this back. And my pops, and on and on and on. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm chuckling a little bit because, it, you know, it's a big deal to Jovi that her pops, and she said, my pops has traveled the world. And I thought, well, that's a little ambitious. But then I got to thinking, Lord, you have been so good to me. You, you have allowed me not only to go to some of these places, but through our church to plant seed literally around the world. We've planted seed in many nations around the world. We've, we've got seed in the ground that is going to bear a harvest right here in Louisville, Kentucky. And I don't say that just you know, in an ambiguous way, but I say it with great faith that God always honors the seed that has been planted in the ground and He will bring about a harvest of blessing from the point of the seed where it was sown. He will protect His seed. I still have a relationship with uh, with uh, Esther and and, uh, and and Pastor Dupu in in New Zealand, and we talk frequently. And and the seed that we sowed, you know, we wore those shirts for about a year and a half that says "Stronger than an earthquake." We helped them get that building ready so that they could do service. I saw pictures the other day that that building that we helped sow seed into is already jam-packed full and they're talking about having to expand because they can't fit all the people that want to come and receive Christ. And you know what? We have seed in the ground in that. One of these days when we get to the other side, there are going to be people from New Zealand that are going to walk up to us and say, I accepted Christ because of the seed that you sowed into the facility in New Zealand. What I'm saying to you today is, is that if we want to see God move in a greater way, we've got to be willing to plant the seed that will allow that to happen in our lives. Some of us have a gift of time. 
But we rarely use that time for the glory of God. We don't volunteer. We, we, when we're asked to do something, whether it's in the church or in any other venue, it's like, no, I, I don't really have time for that. I'm a busy person. We're sowing seed into our flesh, but we're not sowing seed into the kingdom of God. So what I'm saying is that if God has given you time, and He has, how many of you know that at 12 midnight, you got a brand new opportunity of 24 hours? Every one of us did. And it falls our responsibility to ask, what am I going to do with this 24 hours? How am I going to impact the kingdom of God? How am I going to impact my children? so that they will be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, so that one day they will want to serve Jesus in the same way that we love and serve Jesus. What are we doing with our time? We go to work. We work eight, ten hours a day. We come home. We have dinner. And so many of us, for the rest of the day, we sit our hind end on the couch We watch things on television, sports, shows, movies. We got 24-hour-a-day news now. And we invest almost every waking moment that we have in consuming things that are not building us into faith-filled people of God. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not angry with anybody. I'm saying to you as your pastor, if you truly want to experience another harvest, a new harvest in your life, you better get to planting some seed that will allow harvest to come. He's given you time. He's given you a testimony. I've heard some of you speak about prophecies that came over your lives many years ago before I ever came. Some of you had prophecies that came and were realized and you are walking in your harvest now. Some of you have children in your home that are there because God prophesied them into existence. He created them into existence. They are there. Because God said, I will do this for you. And I will hold you responsible for the gift that I am about to place in your care and your keeping. He has blessed you prophetically. But I'm not satisfied with a prophecy that may have come to me five years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago because God is not satisfied with us living in the prophecies of yesterday when He has fresh prophecies that He wants to pour into us now. But if we're going to experience it, we have to experience it by planting seed now. Some of you have finance and God has blessed you. But you haven't learned yet how to tithe. You haven't learned yet how to give. You haven't learned how to release your finances into the hands of God. And because of that, you cannot arise and go higher than just living paycheck to paycheck. Because you haven't learned how to live abundantly. 
Now, this is about the time that most people start looking down. They start kind of digging in their purse. Start looking for something else. Because some of you have just made up your mind that you're just simply not going to give back to God what He has already placed in your responsibility. But let me tell you, there will never come a new harvest for you. You may get by. You may be able to live on what you make right now. But God wants to bless you abundantly. But when we have only learned how to manage our money by when we get a raise, we get a newer TV or a new sound bar or a new car or whatever the case may be, we're not sowing seed into the kingdom of God. We're sowing seed into our own personal kingdom. So what am I saying to you? If you want a new harvest, if you want the next harvest, you're going to have to learn how to respond by doing and being effective in what God has already put in our hands. Dr. Elmer Towns teaches a stewardship lesson in the pastor's Bible class, Thomas Road Baptist Church. It is the most requested Bible study of all that he has taught. And he has called this class, Who Owns the French Fries? And it springs out of a story that he tells about a a father who took his little son to McDonald's and he bought him a package of French fries. When they brought the French fries to the little boy at the table, they were sitting there in front. And the dad reached over to the bag of French fries and like all parents do, they reach and they take a French fry out of that bag And they put it in their mouth because they like french fries too. But the story goes that when the father reaches over to grab one of the french fries, to pull it back and to take it, the the young boy, he said, hey, put that back. Those are my french fries. How many of you ever had a kid do that to you? But you know what that kid did not realize in that moment? Those french fries were only his because of the goodness of his father. And he was showing that selfishness wants to keep all of our blessings to ourselves. We don't want to share our french fries with God. We don't want to share our french fries with anyone else. Because in our mind, those french fries are ours. They're mine. You cannot have my french fries. And what the father was trying to get him to see is this. I bought those french fries. Those are my french fries. I'm only giving them to you because I'm a good father that wants to bless you. But if I want to, I can take those french fries back. And I can never give you another french fry for as long as you live. Whose french fries are they? The father was trying to teach a lesson here. And here's the problem. We have stuff that God has already placed in our hands. He has blessed us with certain things. He has blessed us with a spouse that we love. He has blessed us 
with children. He has blessed us, many of us, with grandchildren. He has blessed us with a home. He has blessed us with a car. He has blessed us in all of these ways. But when God reaches over and says, I would like to just have the tithe on this, we want to slap His hand back and say, that's my money. I worked hard for that. That's my car. I don't want to use it to pick somebody up and bring them to church. That is my house. I don't want to use it for anything except just fleshly feel-good stuff. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. And we disregard the fact that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. And He uses those blessings so that we can then turn those blessings back around and bless the world in which we live. You say, Pastor, do you really think that that's true? Let me tell you something. I not only think it's true, I know it's true. Because this Word backs up everything that I've said to you today. I can't back away or back down from anything that I've said to you this morning. The only question that remains is are you going to be faithful with the resources that He has already placed in your care and in your keeping? Because if you want another harvest, you can't just store up the grain in the barn. You have to be willing to take the grain out, the seed out, and plant it in the ground so that it will bring forth another harvest. Now this morning I want to share one more verse of Scripture with you, and then we're going to pray. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 says this, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Notice where the power is. We know who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. Who do you think that might be? That is God Himself. He is able. There's nothing impossible with God. We've already talked about that. He is able. But He has placed the power for the work inside of you. And He has empowered you with the Spirit of God. So my question to you today is, are you going to prepare and plan for the next harvest in your life? Here's the reality. God has great things in store for you. Some of you have already given up on the future. But let me just remind you that if you are still alive and breathing, there's hope for the future. I don't care if you're 85 years old today. If you're still alive and breathing, God wants to use you. We have a member of our church that is unable to attend these days. I spoke with him just the other day. Zane Smith. He's had physical and health issues that have prevented him from being able to come to church for quite some time now. He's had surgeries. And literally his heart beats 
because of the battery that he's hooked up to all the time. He cannot walk away from that battery because if he walks away from that battery, his heart will no longer beat. He has said to me, I don't know how many times, Pastor, I don't know why God won't just take me. I'm ready. I'm prepared. He knows that I want to be with Him. But yet I'm here for a reason. And I hear stories all the time about how that when Zane goes to the VA hospital to get checked up or they check his batteries or they check what's going on, Every time he goes, even in the midst of his difficulty and his fleshly frustrations, he makes sure that he encourages someone else and tells them about the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, even in the waning years of our lives, we may find ourselves in doctor's offices and in hospitals as we prepare to transition from one world to another, but we can still speak with joy the love of Jesus Christ and let people know that He is still on the throne and able to save every individual who will come to Him. I remember similar stories about about Harvey Burton, who'd go up there hooked up to the machines and, 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 and all of that, and he'd be laughing with the nurses and telling them about Jesus. I'm telling you, church, that as long as there is breath in our bodies, there is purpose that will bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ. It may never be in a hospital for you. It may be in your family. There's some of you who have married a spouse who only believed in Jesus in order to hook you, and after they hooked you, they suddenly didn't believe in Jesus anymore. happens all the time. Be very aware of who you're marrying. Make sure that you understand that once you've married them, you are in relationship with them. And the Bible says for you to remain with them because your testimony can be responsible for bringing them to Christ. I'll never forget Sister Dillard in Granite City, Illinois. We'd have midweek testimony service and prayer request. She'd be sitting right by her husband who sat right beside her every time they came to church. But he was not a believer he just came to bring her to church and he didn't want to go home and then have to come back and pick her up an hour later so he just stayed. And she'd get up and with him sitting right beside her, she'd say, oh, I need for you to pray for Jack that he would ultimately give his life to Jesus. He's not saved. He's a sinner. Sitting right beside her, she didn't care. She said, I just believe that the Lord's going to bring him to salvation one of these days. And she was faithful, and her testimony was strong. And ultimately, her testimony and the prayers of that church brought them to a place where Jack got up out of his seat one night and came to the altar and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the harvest that God has for you 
It's strong. It's big. It's abundant. It's awesome. But it requires you to be willing to plant the seed at the right time. Will you stand with me this morning? Prayer team, will you come? We're going to close with a time of prayer today.